Time for the Surf Pro of Champaign and Vermilion County High School Prep Football Confidential. Here on News Talk 1400 and Light Rock 97.5. Surf Pro, like it never even happened. Here are the hosts, Colin Likas and Jim Rosso. It's a sad day here at News Gazette Media, the headquarters of the Surf Pro Prep Football Confidential, because this. I'll break it to you slowly. This is the last show of the season. That's right. And uh, it, just like last year, I think this is exactly what happened at the end of last year. Facebook Live doesn't work for the last episode for well, some way reason. To, way to blow it. That's Colin Likas trying to get his computer going. I'm Jim Rosso, Evan Kahn, Tamara McDaniel, uh, wrapping up another great season. Thanks to the folks at ServPro for making this happen. Absolutely. Thanks for all the kids who uh, wandered into our studio, signed our wall of fame, which will deliver framed to the folks at ServPro for them to hang in their their walls. It's been a great season. Here's the bad part. I don't know how many teams we got left, Colin, but there aren't a lot. There aren't a lot. We lost a lot of teams in the second round of the playoffs uh, last Saturday. Uh, we are down to four teams, three mm. in 11-man football and one in eight-man football. And, uh, excuse me, yeah, it's uh, kind of crazy that we're uh, – it's very different from last year when right. you know, we had three undefeated teams uh, this late in the season. So, uh, yeah, we're we're doing what we can to to make up for the loss of uh, the loss of teams. As far as our guests tonight, we still got Arcola in Class One A. Going to talk to Nick Lindsay of the Arcola football team. Uh, we've got Paxton Buckley Loda in Class Three A, which might have been a little bit of a surprise considering they were they had a first year coach, Josh Pritchard, taking over yep. for uh, Jeff Graham. So we're going to talk to Josh tonight. Got Prairie Central, which also has a first year coach, uh, Andrew Quain, and they're in Four A. And then you got Milford Cisna Park, which hasn't lost a football game since going eight man football, coached by Clint Schwartz, who we're also going to talk to tonight. Excellent Bearcats on a roll again. They're our only defending state champ still alive. Sorry to see that. Uh, the Falcons of GCMS bowed out yeah. a week after uh, Monticello uh, exited. Yeah, GCMS had a, a very competitive game. It was a tough matchup against Sterling Newman, and uh, Sterling came right out of the gate, punched uh, GCMS in the mouth with a quick touchdown, I believe, on the Comets' first drive. Uh, and then GCMS finally got some momentum going late in the first half to cut its deficit uh, to 14-6. to And then on the ensuing kickoff, uh, Sterling Newman returned it about 80 yards for a touchdown, and that just took the air out of GCMS's sails. It seemed like nobody scored in the second half, 21-6 final. So it ends a great run a top class 2A for Gibson City, Melvin Sibley. Uh, but uh, Mike Allen's program will be will be back, I'm sure. They're going to lose some key pieces, as every team does. But uh, they still have plenty of really good pieces coming back, so it's not the last we'll hear about the Falcons as a, as a top-10 team, as a contender for, for our area. All right, tip of the cap to Coach Lindsay, because today I know they're focused on football, right, in the third round of the playoffs. Of but, course. Uh, as you might have read in the News Gazette in previous weeks, uh, his some of his players helped parked cars for yeah. the huge veterans ceremony down at Arcola High School. They have it every year. It's one of the best around. And to see kids uh, giving up their time and uh, recognizing those who have served our country mm-hmm. Good for the Purple Riders. Yep, absolutely fantastic to see stuff like that. Uh, saw I know I know some uh, Veterans Day activities were definitely snowed out today yeah. by the the sudden influx of poor weather that we had here, but uh, others still go on, and uh, you're recognizing your veterans regardless of whether it's snowing or raining. Or it's like the U.S. Postal Service; you just keep going. 
You uh, had a ceremony at uh, Muhammad, one in St. Joe, down in Savoy, uh, just tons of places. Great to see. Great to see uh, the weather might get a little better for the third round. It almost you, can't get worse. You'd hate to see games. You know, uh, Champaign Central a couple years ago when they made that fabulous run to the semifinals, mm-hmm. uh, their loss came in a freakish Saturday <laughs> snowstorm where they <laughs> right. played in about eight inches of snow at Tommy Stewart Field. Well, I do remember last year when I covered uh, Monticello taking on uh, Carlinville in the uh, semifinals of class. 3A over at Monticello's Field. Uh, it had snowed the night before. It didn't snow the game, uh, day of the game, but it was still about 32 degrees. Uh, some of the Monticello coaches had shorts on, including Cully Welter. There was a snowman on the Monticello sideline. It's kind of a time of the year thing. Uh, but uh, I was talking with uh, Mike Kuhn, who Illini types uh, would, would recognize his name. He's, a, he's another Monticello guy. I was talking to him today because uh, his niece, uh, ran in the state cross country meet last Saturday, and I said to him, first thing I said to him was, "Man, I bet she's glad they didn't get this weather for the state cross country meet. It would have been miserable." Congratulations to all those runners. A couple state titles, Monticello winning a state championship, a bunch of others uh, coming for second and third and uh, fourth. Uh, we're a powerhouse when it comes to running. Yeah, we really are. Monticello boys won a state championship. The girls finished second. Unity girls finished third. So yeah, in in the void uh, that football state championship seems to be uh, filling this year. Although it's not not guaranteed that we won't have any. We still got four teams, but it's not the same as last year, as we said, where we got those three teams that were undefeated and then two that eventually made it to a state championship game so we got to uh, pick up our state champions in other spots in other sports all right we're almost done with the fall sports season got swimming uh, still going football still going we'll have a bunch of area athletes in the news gazette this weekend taking pictures for uh, faces of the winter look forward to that yeah that's uh you know that's before we go to the winter though we have to talk we have we have to stay in the football in the football mood you've got your game face on yet still do still do let's talk about some of the results some of the the sad results first of all let me ask what happened to my unity rockets yeah they they ran into a a 12 seed that is not a 12 seed they're they're a 12 seed only on paper uh, not an actual execution if you look at bishop kankakee bishop mcnamara schedule they played some some teams that are i think their three losses are all the teams that are still playing in the postseason so obviously a battle-tested group there yeah unity's offense just couldn't get going scott hamilton said he wasn't disappointed with the defense even though they gave up 31 points you know that's kind of just getting wore down by the fact they were on the field so much and just the unity offense couldn't couldn't get things going they got one touchdown out of the uh, locker room out of the break and that was all they could get going Uh, bishop mack just kept pushing and pushing and uh, yeah great bounce back season for unity overall uh, only a little loss was to Chillicothe, which got a one seed in Class 4A, although they actually lost last week as well. So, uh, yeah, something to build on for Scott Hamilton's group, uh, especially with uh, some of those guys returning. All right, J.J. Lockwood, uh, our uh, our prep football uh, expert, mm-hmm. guaranteed me the Blue Devils of BHRA would move on. Uh-oh. And what the heck happened there, too? That was, one of the, that was one of the tighter games. Of uh, the entire uh, the entire uh, second round for us, they were playing Nashville at home, another one of those four or five seed matchups. Uh, both teams had two touchdowns at halftime, and then Bismarck, as Mark Dodd told me, they just couldn't hang on to the ball. They turned it over on three separate occasions. Uh, one of them was uh, they converted a fourth down, and then they got a holding penalty called against them, or false. It was a penalty regardless, and they ended up having to punt the ball. Uh, their quarterback uh, trying to tie the game up at uh, at uh, 21 through an interception in the end zone. Just things like that that you you can't uh, you can, mistakes you can't make in the playoffs. And yeah, Bismarck. Uh, 
four years in a row now, I believe. Actually, no, it's five years in a row now. Second-round playoff exit for Bismarck in Class 2A. Really tough to deal with. This kind of felt like a team that could get over that hump. And uh, it still might have been. Just the matchup was just – it didn't go Bismarck's way that day. It could have gone differently. Uh, Mark Dodd thought his offense played well enough to win the game. Just a few mistakes at an inopportune time. Hey, if you see J.J., I'll give him a slap on the back. We'll forgive him for this uh, Blue Devil – uh, guarantee unfortunately his uh, his oakwood comets also fell short i know they wanted to play Pena, but Pena, an emotionally charged mm-hmm. team uh, all season uh dealing uh, with their head coach's uh, four-year-old son dying during the uh the preseason so uh yeah that was a tough matchup for oakwood and Pena kind of kind of rolled by him uh, one matchup that was a lot of fun to, to watch by the scoreboard, Argento Oriana taking on Carrollton. Uh, that game was just filled with craziness in the fourth quarter. Uh, both teams were just scoring back and forth, back and forth. Carrollton got two touchdowns in the last uh, about 35 seconds to win the game, 48-35. to 35. And Argenta's season a little prematurely again. The Bombers had a second seed. That is the highest seed in our area. Uh, didn't work out for them once again, but, man, they gave their fans a fun ride while it lasted. All right, Comets, great run, as Colin said. Uh, be well represented when the all-area teams start flowing sure. here after Thanksgiving. Can't wait to see that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, let's let's just keep going with a few other scores. And there were there were some scores that definitely, when you look at the actual scoreboard, it looks ugly. I uh, might not tell the whole story, but you know, like Fisher playing Central A&M, a Raiders team pretty steeped in playoff tradition, playoff success, and they're undefeated this year. Uh, Fisher got uh, beat up on 69-34. to That game was just uh, an offensive uh, slugfest, and Fisher obviously got its licks in offensively. Tyler Wilson broke the 2,000-yard mark for his 2,000-yard mark rushing for a single season, which is pretty significant. He broke the school record in rushing well before, so just to establish it at 2,000 and something yards, that's pretty, pretty amazing for Tyler Wilson over there. Fisher. Tyler Wilson, two words, all area. Oh, yeah, 100%. He was all, all right. area last year. He's going to be all area first team again this year. I don't think that's really a spoiler when you rush for over 2,000 yards. You just broke some news. Uh-oh. But, uh, yeah, that that score, obviously, some folks probably saw it, got a little wide-eyed. Another one would be Tuscola taking on St. Teresa, a regular season rematch, and 63-20 uh, to 20, St. Teresa uh, beating up on Tuscola. I mean, it's just one of those where St. Teresa – they're just a factory. They just push out these kids. They got a kid at Kansas State now playing over there, and now they've got another kid who's a sophomore. His name's Denim Cook, and he rushed for three touchdowns against Tuscola in this game. Yeah, I think Tuscola, kind of like Bismarck, another team that could have made a deep run in different circumstances. But the 2A field is really loaded. There are a lot of super good teams in Class 2A. It's disappointing we don't have any of our teams left in Class 2A because we had some really good 2A teams this year. They just weren't quite as good as the ones that are left. Here's the good news. Hey, DeKalb's got the state championships. It's true. We don't. Had we had it here at Memorial Stadium, I would demand a couple local teams. Yes, just like last year. But I'm all right Just like last year. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I guess I see your point. I would still prefer to get to the opportunity to cover some of these teams, and maybe we still will. But, uh, yeah, it's it, it's definitely interesting, definitely, I, I don't know. Is it expected that we would have this few teams left at this point? I, I don't know. Well, I got spoiled the last couple of years, sure. honestly, yeah. uh, seeing teams. You know, Now we expect them to make the state finals and maybe win one and have a parade back at home and uh, go bonkers. But, yeah. uh, man, we're asking a lot of some mm-hmm. of these teams to get that far. Yeah, and I, I mean, we mentioned it uh, back but when the playoffs started, how it felt like there weren't as many teams in. And then, then I did some research, and we found out there were more teams in the mm-hmm. playoffs this year than last year. It's just it's that different feeling that we've been talking about, and we'll see how long we can keep things going, even if the radio show is wrapping up tonight.
All right, this is the Serve Pro Prep Football Confidential. I think we're ready for our first break. You good with that, Colin? I'm good with that. We'll get your guys lined up after this. We'll be right back. Now back to the High School Prep Football Confidential, brought to you by Serve Pro of Champaign and Vermilion County. Serve Pro, like it never even happened. 615 in downtown Champaign. It's the Serve Pro Prep Football Confidential radio show. Last show of the 2019 season, unfortunately, and we're going out with uh, with a bang. Uh, even though we only have four teams remaining in the playoffs, and even though it's 22 degrees with a wind chill of 7, according to the video board behind me, we're still keeping things hot here in the studio. And that includes talking about our lone remaining Class 1A football team, the Arcola Purple Riders. You might remember they won a state championship back in 2015. So this uh, feeling of getting deep into the playoffs is not unfamiliar to Arcola. Glad to be joined now by the head coach of that program, Nick Lindsay. Nick, thanks so much for being part of our show this week. Hey, no problem, Colin. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, you guys got over the uh, the second round hump. You're you're now you're at your deepest playoff run in your uh, three years as Arcola's football coach. Uh, I mean, coming into the season, I know you had expectations for this group. You returned a lot of guys, a lot of guys with playing experience. Uh, does this feel like something that was kind of a, a long time coming? Maybe dating back to to the beginning of the season or even further. Yeah, I mean, it was something that was a goal of ours, uh, you know, to make a deep playoff run, but. You know, one thing I, I we always talk about as a group and, and our kids say, you know, we're not satisfied and we want to continue to go. But, um, yeah, I'm really happy for this group, and uh, they really deserve it. Uh, our senior class has really put in a lot of work and has has a great group, a great core group. And, um, you know, they deserve everything they get, and they've worked hard for it. So I'm happy for them uh, first and foremost. Well, uh, we talked uh, on the phone on Saturday after your guys' win over Greenfield Northwestern in the second round. But uh, just so the folks on the radio can get a better understanding of that game, I mean, it was a it was a defensive battle, and your your defenders came out on top of it. Uh, what was the key for you guys defensively to to make as many stands as you did? Yeah, we knew we had to control the line of scrimmage, and we feel like uh, you know that's kind of the strength of our our team is our defensive line and. Um, they did a great job, and Greenfield threw a lot at you as far as formations and motions and things like that. And our kids were locked in and, and handled it and had a great week of preparation. Um, so you, we we focused a lot on our defense, and um, you know I thought for the most most part, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, we tackled well and, and defended well. Um, you know, gave up a couple scores late, but um, you know I, I felt like overall I was really happy with our defense and really have been for most games that we've played well you talked to to me also about the defensive line and it's uh it's success this year uh, those guys up front i mean uh, uh how much confidence do they have going into i know central a and is going to pose a, an entirely different type of challenge but how much confidence do those guys up front have right now after uh, helping the team to a pair of playoff wins yeah i think they're they're playing their best football right now um you know we've got a really good four, maybe five, even six kids that can rotate in and, and play well and get off the ball and use their hands well. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely nice to be able to control the line of scrimmage defensively, but, um, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to have our hands full this week and, um, you know, our, our kids are ready for it though. I, I think, you know, they're, they're really itching to, to get, get over there and, uh, know get started this week and have a great week of practice 
Talking with Arcola football coach Nick Lindsay. Uh, Got to talk about the offense as well, even though obviously it wasn't uh, your guys' most robust offensive game, but you didn't need it to be. I mean, usually when we're talking about your offense, it's Austin Hopkins running the ball, just uh, just powering the ball down people's throats. Uh, in in this game against Greenfield Northwestern, Bo Jones, a quarterback, has stepped up and found all kinds of uh, different targets. And, you know, the one... The one play that really stood out to me was the Casey Moore touchdown that really opened things up. I mean, take us through that play and, and what it did to help your your guys throughout the rest of the uh, of the afternoon. Yeah, Casey probably doesn't get as many targets as uh, Yvonne or Diego, but um, he's somebody that we really trust, and he's a he's got great hands. Probably probably the best, if not probably the second best hands on our team, and. Mm. Um, you know, we we knew we had single coverage, but uh, he broke a tackle and, and made a good play with the kid um, defending the ball. And um, you know, he was off to the races and just being able to spread the ball around to different weapons and different receivers. And uh, you know, I think it's as as we have found out, it's tough to defend somebody who can hit anybody at any time and um, you know also run the ball. So uh, that's that's something we put a lot of focus on. Was you know we we know that what we can get up front um, offensively. But, you know, when teams are putting seven and eight people in the box, uh, you're, we're going to have to press the ball around and find different people to hit. So uh, we did that and came out on top. Yeah, and I mean, we, we I, I know teams – focus on Austin Hopkins and rightfully so they're going to pay a lot of attention to what he does on the ground do you feel like that also that that occasionally opens up uh, the passing game sometimes just from perspective of maybe uh, some opponents are overlooking the pass game they're just trying so hard whole hog to shut down Austin that really uh, the passing game is allowed to kind of sneak under the radar and thrive yeah I, I think so um, you know anytime you're getting single coverage I like our chances and, mm-hmm. and Teams have to have to make a decision whether they're gonna, you know, stop us in the run game, and because we're pretty good up front too, and we have big bodies and physical kids. So, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's nice to be able to put defenses in a bind. It's just our job to figure out, um, you know, where we can attack them and where we can get our kids the ball in space. But um, you know, another week, another another set of challenges, and we're looking forward to it. Well, uh, you guys have to go on the road for the first time in this postseason this week, taking on undefeated Central A&M uh, Saturday afternoon at 1.30. Um, as far as just, just heading on the road for a playoff game, how do you guys prepare for that regardless of the opponent since since you have been at home the first two weeks of the playoffs leading up to this? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think we're, we're ready for it. We're ready to uh, go travel anywhere. I, I think this time of year you're – got to prepare for anything and you know we learned the hard way going over to triopia but luckily for us it's just about a 45 minute drive over to Malik West. So, uh it's a little easier than going to all the way over out west so um our kids are excited we know it'll be a great environment at uh quarterfinal football and um you know you're gonna have to if, if you reach your ultimate goal you're gonna have to travel some places and um you know it's a local place so i, I know our fans will travel well and um, you know, we always are well represented no matter where we go, if we're home or away. So looking forward to that. And then just the challenge of taking on a Central A&M team that, I mean, has just piled up points, put up a, a ton on Fisher last week. Uh, what, what's the focus? I mean, I know they have a lot of guys who you have to try and stop. So how are you guys approaching this matchup? Well, I think we're going to try to 
sneak 13 players on the field defensively <laughs> and see if they catch us first. Nice. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's it's something that we're going to have to have a great week of practice and um, put our kids in good spots and keep things simple for our kids and um, try to stop their playmakers. I mean, they are very talented, and uh, Coach Weekly does a great job of spreading the ball around and, and getting the ball um, to their to their playmakers, and they they definitely have some play playmakers and a great quarterback that's um, able to get the ball and he's mobile too so that that presents another challenge but um, you know I think it all starts up front for us and trying to control the line of scrimmage and um, you know shutting down any run game that they have and and then our skill kids having to to make plays and maybe create a couple turnovers and never know what happens especially this time in November you you don't know what the weather's like you don't know what the field conditions are like and um, it's a it's a huge challenge for us, but it's this time of year and it's quarterfinals, so you know you're going to be playing somebody that's that's good, and um, I, I'm really excited for it. I know our kids are too. Yeah, and uh, before I let you go, since you mentioned it, I know you guys are about 40 minutes south of us, but uh, did you have to practice in some snow today? Well, our Mondays in the playoffs, we usually send the kids on a town run, so they just go running around town. <laughs> Uh, for about 20 minutes and then that we come in and watch film so i wasn't sure that we would be injury free after a town run tonight so we just we <laughs> stayed in and watched film for a while and uh kind of go over the week and the week's plan and and things like that so um no lucky for us we were we were inside in the warmth but um you know we we did uh we do have to battle some weather i know this week with the snow and the cold and and things like that but it's it's something that our kids will never forget, and um, you know we're we're excited to be outside in it. Nick Lindsay, our Cola football coach. Nick, thanks again for taking some time for us, and uh, good luck to you and the boys this week. All right, thank you, Colin. It's about six twenty-four here on the Serve Pro Prep Football Confidential. We are going to take our second break, and when we come back, we're going to talk with a coach of another of our remaining uh, football teams, Paxton Buckley Lotus, Josh Pritchard. Be sure to stay tuned for that. Welcome back to the Serve Pro of Champaign and Vermilion County High School Prep Football Confidential. Serve Pro, like it never even happened. 628, we are back with the Serve Pro Prep Football Confidential. I'm Colin Likas, here with Evan Rosso. Evan Rosso? Who's Evan Rosso? Evan Kahn. There we go. Jim Rosso had to step out. Uh, He's uh, had a busy day today, so Evan and I are with you the rest of the way. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, our next playoff football team, or I guess another of our playoff football teams. Like we said at the top of the show, not too many left. The Arcola Purple Riders in Class 1A, uh, the Prairie Central Hawks in Class 4A, the Milford Cisna Park Bearcats in 8-man, and then the Paxton Buckley Loda Panthers in Class 3A, led by first-year head coach Josh Pritchard, obviously getting the most out of his first-ever group of Panthers. So we're glad to be joined now by Josh Pritchard. Josh, thanks so much for being part of our show this week. Yeah, thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. Well, uh, the easier part about this is you could uh, take this call from anywhere in the building uh, as opposed to having to drive here or anything, and I'd be afraid that your vehicle might break down based on your guys' uh, bus issues on the way to Farmington last week. So uh, for those not in the know, uh, go ahead and fill us in on just how difficult it was for your guys to get to Farmington last Saturday. Yeah, we, we got going and we got to, to Bloomington there on Tawanda Drive and our bus shut down and our, our bus driver at the light thought, you know, hey, he's just going to turn it off, turn it back on and, and get it going. And it got going for about a tenth of a mile and then it croaked again about 
um, just on the side of the road right there on Tawanda Drive. And, yeah, we went out to a, a field in, near somebody's house that we have no idea who they were because they weren't home, <laughs> thank goodness. Um, but, yeah, you know, we ran some plays. We got stretched out and stuff like that. But it was it was a nice little bonding experience. But, like I told everybody, it was kind of nice because we got our blood flowing again halfway through the drive. But, you know, we made it to the game, and, uh, you know, obviously it, it went well for us after that. So you're, what you're telling me is you're going to intentionally break down your bus moving forward for any road trips. Well, you know, if somebody wants to play later in the afternoon, that's fine. But, yeah, no, no, we're not going to do that. But we are, we've are. we already planned our trip for Princeton where we think we'll probably stop about halfway once again and, and get our blood flowing. Maybe not for okay. an hour and 15 minutes this time, but for 15, 20 minutes because I think it helped us out this past week. So, you know, we'll just stay consistent. But hopefully it's not a, because of a broken down bus. Nice. Yeah, I mean, you guys have had an interesting postseason so far. I mean, the first, the first game, you didn't even know if you were going to have it because you were playing against a school in the Chicago public system that uh, the teachers were on strike and uh, threatening that game. And then your guys' bus breaks down for the second round. I mean, your guys' uh, mental fortitude has certainly been tested. So what's it tell you about uh, about the group of guys you have here? Well, I've said all along, you know, this senior class is fantastic. When you have 15 seniors and a vast majority of them are starters for you, and, and, and they're great leaders. It's not like they're just good football players, but they're great leaders too. So they kind of got everybody refocused. And for, for both situations, you know, we, we talked about all week leading to Carver. We were going to business as usual, and that's kind of how it was at practice. And then, like I said, the bus breaking down, you know, they, they jokingly, like I said, they started out there running plays. And I was like, well, if that's what they want to do, we'll go out there. I mean, we had a football that – was as fly as it could possibly be, but mm-hmm. when you just have great senior leadership, you know, it, it makes your job as a coach a little bit easier. Well, uh, it was the the defense that really shone in the in the game against Farmington when you guys finally did get there and get to play that game. Uh, you know, with those four and five matchups, they're usually pretty snug. And I mean, uh, twenty seven to seven that's a it's a pretty good margin of victory for a four to five matchup. Were you expecting it to be uh, that sort of score when you came in? Actually, as assistant, with talking with my assistant coaches, we thought you know. They were probably going to score two or three touchdowns. You know, we we feel like we could have scored a little bit more, but when, once we went in at halftime with a you know fourteen nothing lead, and then we get twenty one nothing with two minutes into the third quarter, we wanted to salt away the victory. Mm-hmm. I told our kids before the game, we don't care if we win two nothing or ninety nine to ninety eight. We just want to win the football game. But yeah, definitely surprised that you know that we only gave up seven points. Honestly, you know they have a pretty decent offense and and definitely hit some big plays. But our kids came to play, took to the scouting report. And, you know, we didn't give up any big plays. You know, I think the longest game we gave up the whole entire game was like 17 yards or something hmm. like that. Um, so it, it, was, it was really nice to see a great defensive effort. But when you put kids in the right situation and they go out and make plays, it makes, make, once again, it makes your job as a coach really easy. And, and that's kind of what we did. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, just uh, who are some of the guys you could highlight from the defensive side? I know uh, as far as special teams go, Hunter Anderson blocked a punt, returned it for a touchdown. But we're talking if we're talking more strictly uh, defense, who were some guys who really stepped up for you in this one? Well, Anderson had, I think, 10 tackles. You know, he, he had another tip ball that led to an interception by Drew Deesberg to essentially steal the victory. And that was right. That was the very next play after his block punt touchdown um, on defense. And that, that was Drew Deesberg's sixth interception for the season. Um, I mean, really, in general, you know, we had two linemen that, that had exactly one start combined. You know, we started a freshman at nose guard this past week that had essentially played like 10 plays, and that was against Chicago Carver. Um, due to a few injuries and stuff like that. And then we started a sophomore, Wyatt Holland, who his very first start was against Chicago Carver. So wow. um, it's kind of crazy to be able to throw young kids in there like that and they start making plays. But defensive line, Alex Rick, I think, knocked down four or five passes. So anytime you can knock down passes so that you don't have to worry about defending it on the backside, that helps out. But 
being 6'3 and 6'4 does a great job. So, I mean, really, it was a complete team effort. I don't think one kid would say they were the star, which is kind of awesome when you have 11 kids out there that are willing to do whatever. And then, you know, we subbed in another D lineman that was a freshman, too. So, you know, we kind of got after him with some really young kids, which is crazy to say in the, in the second round of the playoffs. Right. Talking with the uh, PBL coach, Josh Pritchard. And, uh, yeah, it's hard not to, whenever I've had you on this show, I think this is probably the third time we've had you on this season, it's hard not to talk about Hunter Anderson with just the season he's having. I mean, he's really broken out uh, as a rushing star for this team. You know, TJ Jones, uh, the year before, uh, you got there was uh, the rushing star. Now Hunter Anderson's put on the the boots and is making making big plays. I mean, you described him to Andrew Rostin as an absolute animal. Uh, go ahead and explain why why is Hunter Anderson an absolute animal? Well, uh, you know, I'll start before the season. He actually sliced a tendon in his thumb Ooh. in June, and the doctors told him they didn't think he'd be there be able to play until about week three, week four. And he and his mom both were assured me that he would be playing week one. So um, they went and got him cleared by a doctor, and you know, which was great. So he was able to play week one. Um, but we really didn't want to give him the ball early because we knew we were going to have to carry the load with him a little bit later in the year. Plus, we weren't for sure about his thumb holding the football. But towards the end of the year, I mean, he really came on probably week six, seven, eight, nine, and and so on. You know, he ran for like a buck seventy or something like that against Clifton. He ran for two hundred against other teams, and and until week. 10 he hadn't even had 100 carries for the season so we've just been giving the ball and he's been breaking tackles and you know he's he's five eight five nine 200 pounds of a whole lot of muscle and makes me look like a really good coach when we give him the football so <laughs> so you know unfortunately i think we got stuff on the goal line against farm uh, against farmington the second drive and i didn't let him touch the ball one time so i was one of my assistants you know and i, I kind of talked and i go I, that was about the dumbest coaching i've ever done in my life let's not to give our best player the football but we didn't make that mistake too many more times the rest of the game. So <laughs> he keeps carrying the load, and, you know, he, he, he doesn't mind it one bit. Well, uh, you guys have a number one seeded Princeton up next. They played a pretty tight second round game against a nine seed Spring Valley Hall, 16 nothing final score there. Uh, so, what do, you, what do you know so far about Princeton, and uh, how are you guys approaching that matchup? Well, we know that they've beat some good teams, and they've played some really good teams, and they played a Sterling Newman. Um, to a touchdown ball game, who obviously just beat Gibson State this past week. Um, and, and they've played some other really good programs, but they want to shove it down your throat, but they also go to spread at times. And they've got a quarterback that I think is thrown for 16 or 1,700 yards this year. But they are super, super physical. And, and luckily, we feel like our kids can be pretty physical when they want to be. So as long as we can get in their heads that, you know, you're going to have to play a physical football game and you're going to have to play downhill, um, then we'll be okay. But, you know, we've got another two and a half hour drive, but. Whenever the ball kicks off, it's still football. So we just hope that our kids are ready to play, and, and we'll see how it goes Saturday. I mean, just to round this out, uh, we mentioned it uh, at the top that uh, your first season with Paxton Buckley-Loda, and I mean, can't really ask for much more at this point with your team still playing in uh, early to mid-November. I mean, just how much does this? Uh, do you hope that this season sets the table for, for what you hope to do longer term over in Paxton? Well, I think every coach, you know, you hope that you can continue – you know, a winning tradition and, you know, taking over Coach Graham, who took him to five straight playoffs, mm-hmm. you know, isn't always the easiest thing to do, especially as a younger coach. But to, to get our kids to believe everything that we wanted them to do, and, and they've done that, and they've done everything I've asked them to do, and they, they get after it. Obviously, I hope this sets the table and we can continue, you know, to make more quarterfinals and, and farther, obviously, is what we're hoping for this year, too. You know, they, they were okay, you know, going to the second round and everything like that, but we've talked about all year. We don't want to be a second-round team. We want the quarterfinals to be a normal situation, not every 20 years. So we hope we can continue the tradition. I think that this will hopefully bring more kids out for football, and, and I think they'll, they'll enjoy the exciting sport that it is. 
Josh Pritchard, Paxton Buckley Lota football coach. Josh, thank you again for taking some time out of your evening, and good luck to you and the boys in Princeton uh, on Saturday. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, we're going to take our last break here. We are going to be joined by Milford Cisna Park coach Clint Schwartz after the break and after we just kind of look ahead, Evan and I, to, to some playoff matchups. Might also sneak in a reference to the one remaining uh, high school volleyball team we have uh, going this year. So be sure to come back for the last segment of Serve Pro Prep Football Confidential. Now back to the High School Prep Football Confidential, brought to you by SurfPro of Champaign and Vermilion County. SurfPro, like it never even happened. And we're back for the last segment of the 2019 SurfPro Prep Football Confidential season. I am Colin Likas with Evan Kahn, Tamara McDaniel, bringing you uh, a little bit more football here, including uh, some Milford Cisna Park conversation with Coach Clint Schwartz. Uh, first, we're going to break down the remaining uh, brackets for all of the uh, the teams that we have left. So Arcola Class 1A, uh, Paxton Class 3A, Prairie Central Class 4A, Milford, and 8-Man. I'm going to break down all the other teams remaining in their, uh, in their respective brackets. Not too many to talk about. It's uh, quarterfinals for 11-man football and, uh, and uh, semifinals for 8-man football. So starting in the Class 1A bracket, uh, Class 1A is interesting, actually, because we've got uh, out of the eight teams left, five of them are 11-0, and 0, and th- the other three are all 9-2. and 2. So that's a really interesting uh, breakdown there. And uh, all three of the 9-2 and 2 teams are in the uh, southern region of the bracket, actually. Uh, 11-0 and 0 teams, though, uh, at the top of the bracket in Class 1A, you got number one Kiwani Weathersfield facing uh, number four Morrison. Both of those teams are undefeated. And you got two more undefeated teams in the other semifinal in the north, uh, Lena Winslow and uh, Freeport. Uh, Lena Winslow played Tuscola in the state championship game back in 2017 that Lena won by a single point. Lena's been a, a state title contender a lot lately. Uh, the other matchups, Central A&M 11-0, one seed against uh, fourth-seeded Arcola, 9-2, matchup we've talked about already. And then a bit of a surprise matchup on the other side, uh, seventh-seeded Carrollton, 9-2. They beat Argenta last week against sixth-seeded Athens at 9-2, and, and they beat a really good Camp Point Central team last week. So that was a bit of a surprise matchup, I think. I'm not sure a lot of people had either of those teams getting to the uh, quarterfinals. Uh, moving over to the Class 3A bracket, you got uh, top-seeded Princeton 10-1 and against fifth-seeded Paxton Buckley-Loda at 9-2. and That matchup we already talked about as well. Uh, the winner of that game will face the winner of number 2 Byron and number 3 Wilmington. Both are 10-1. and Byron was the team that played Monticello in last year's Class 3A state championship game and came up short to the Sages. On the other side of the Class 3A bracket, uh, a bit of a surprise matchup up top. You got uh, ninth-seeded Quincy Notre Dame at 8-3. They knocked off an undefeated top-seed Beardstown last week. And then fifth-seeded Breeze Modern Day at 10-1. They beat a also undefeated uh, team in number 4 Fairfield last week. And at the other side, uh, the other side went according to seed. Second-seeded Williamsville, 11-0. They beat St. Joe Ogden earlier in the playoffs against third-seeded third seeded Vandalia, which is also 11-0. Moving on to our Class 4A bracket. Uh, up top, we got Cole City, top seed, undefeated at 11-0, taking on fourth-seeded Wheaton St. Francis at 10-1. And then the other matchup in the north, uh, second-seeded Richmond Burton against third-seeded IC Catholic, 11-0 against 10-1. IC Catholic has been uh, an animal in Class uh, 4A, or really any class it plays in over the last uh, little while. 
Uh, at the bottom of the bracket, uh, this is one of the more interesting uh, draws for a quarterfinal. You got a nine seed, a twelve seed, a ten seed, and a three seed. So uh, something crazy happened over there. Uh, you got ninth seeded Murfreesboro nine and two against twelfth seeded Bishop McNamara at eight and three. Bishop Mac beat Unity last week. Murfreesboro actually is the team that knocked Prairie Central out of the playoffs last year. And on the other side of that bracket, you got tenth seeded Prairie Central at nine and two against third seeded Effingham at ten and one. Uh, Prairie Central uh, held off second-seeded Columbia 28-22 last week. Uh, Columbia was undefeated entering that game, and Prairie Central went up 28-7 at one point before Columbia uh, went on a bit of a tear in the fourth quarter, threatened to uh, threatened to tie the game or possibly even win it outright in regulation, but uh, an interception uh, in the last little bit sealed it for Prairie Central. And now I'm just trying to pull up my my eight man bracket here. Yeah, it's a I little, don't. Uh, little I don't, challenging because it's not on the IHSA website. I don't have a whole lot to add to that, other than uh, of all of the helmets that you have behind you. Yes. Anybody watching on Facebook Live, and, and if not, you you should go on there sometime and check it out. He's got all all kinds of area helmets. I, I think Prairie Central is, is my favorite. Yeah. I, I like the blue on blue with the mm-hmm. with the. I'm guessing feathers coming out the back. I think it's supposed to be like a hawk scratch. I believe that's what oh, we're going okay. for there. Although there could be feathers too. They are the hawks, so it could go either way. Yeah, either way, that's that's my favorite. Although you know you got the bunny on there as well, which yes, which just can't beat a, a bunny as a mascot. It's just as intimidating as they come. The mean mug and bunny. Yeah, <laughs> we've got Prairie Central and PBL right next to each other. Those are the two helmets I have for teams that are still still kicking in the playoffs. Uh, quickly, we'll do our uh, eight-man bracket before we get uh, Clint Schwartz on the line here. Only four teams left in the eight-man bracket. Uh, we are at the semifinals. Up top, you got top-seeded Milford Cisna Park at 10-0. They got a first-round bye, so that's why they've only played 10 games. They're taking on a team kind of familiar to some uh, teams in our area. Uh, Flanagan Cornell Woodland at 8-3. and three. That is a former Heart of Illinois conference member for football. They're still HOIC in uh, other sports, of course. But, uh, yeah, for football, they uh, dropped to, dropped 11-man, went to 8-man, and they're having great success in their first year. And then on the other side of the bracket, you have second-seeded Polo, which is 10-0, also got a first-round bye just like Milford, taking on third-seeded River Ridge at 8-3 and three out of Hanover. River Ridge knocked out Schlarman uh, last Friday from the eight-man playoffs. So those are your final four teams. Uh, three of them are trying to unseat Milford Cisna Park as the reigning state champion, and one of them wants to continue to be the state champion. And that would be Milford Cisna Park, and we're glad to be joined now by the coach of that program, Clint Schwartz. Clint, thank you so much for being part of our show this week. Uh, thank you very much for having me, Colin. Of course. Well, I mean, it's 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 hard to match the the success your guys have had since the you guys went to eight man football. I mean, you you went unbeaten in the first year, and you guys are still unbeaten now, two wins away from repeating as state champions. Is this something you could have even imagined when you first started uh, playing eight man football? Uh, no, you know, this isn't really anything that we ever imagined. You know, winning is obviously really fun, but you know, we just wanted to give our kids the opportunity to to play football and. You know, they're definitely taking advantage of that, you know, and so far everything's gone really well this year, and, you know, we're looking forward to a semifinal matchup this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's amazing to me because, you know, last year the field wasn't very wasn't very big. There were just a few teams in the eight-man football association, and you guys kind of mopped up. I uh, had to play some teams from out of the area. This year, I mean, you had a lot more teams in the state and obviously a target on your back as a result of winning a state title. I mean, how have your guys been able to persevere through that and win pretty much all of your games in kind of blowout fashion? Um, you know, I think it starts with their seniors. You know, I think, you know, everything kind of starts with Penn Stoller for us. And, mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, he's been the quarterback, middle linebacker for us. And, you know, um, you know, and other guys like Rudy King, you know, those seniors, they kind of keep everybody else focused, you know, try to go one and know every single week. And, you know, that's, it's surprisingly, that's actually what our kids try to do every week. There's no looking forward. They, there was no, there's no talk of last year's state championship. There's no looking forward to anything else in the playoffs or whatever it may it was in the regular season. Uh, they just do a really good job leading our team. I feel like the uh, the all gas no brakes hashtag you guys use on Twitter as well just feeds into that mentality. I mean, can you explain where where that came from? Uh, we actually came up with that just kind of as a joke at first. <laughs> um, we were on the bus ride home from uh, Cuba, North Fulton. You know, there's there's no good way to to Cuba from you know from Milford. <laughs> so it was a long bus ride home, and we were trying to come up with some good hashtag for our team, and that kind of just came is what it is, and. Everyone's really bought into that mentality, and you know I think that really describes our team. You know, especially on the offensive side of the ball, we try to go as fast as we can and try to score as much as we can. Well, uh, let's talk about the the offense first. I mean, your offense has been prolific this whole year. Uh, Three hundred and fifty-seven yards total yards in the uh, the win over Bunker Hill last week. You guys had thirty-two points after the first quarter. I mean, uh, you said it starts with Penn Stoller, and I mean the stats obviously don't lie with regard to that. But how has he developed into into such a strong quarterback for you guys? Um, you know, it's you know Penn. It's one of those things. He's been waiting his whole life to get this chance. You know, in the last few years, he's been behind, you know, another really good quarterback for us. And, um, you know, it's really been fun to see him just develop into, you know, a leader and a, a really good quarterback. You know, he can he can throw the ball and he can run the ball. You know, he throws the ball better than really anybody really expected him to. And mm-hmm. it's it's something really special to watch, you know, for a kid to have, you know, over 1,400 yards throwing the ball and over 1,200 yards, you know, rushing the ball and I mean, 26 passing touchdowns and only one interception. You know, that's that's a very rare stat, and some something that he's waited for. And you know, our whole staff and everybody in the community, you know, we couldn't be happier for him. Well, uh, let's talk about some other offensive options as well. I mean, I know uh, Keegan Boyle has had a pretty good season catching the ball, and uh, we we heard Keegan's name a lot when uh, Cisna Park Boys basketball was making its run to the Class One A state uh, final uh, last season. You got a younger player in uh, Angel Salinas, who I know just uh, seems to pick up ground yardage at a rapid rate. I mean, those two guys. Who are some other guys that we've uh, we need to be talking about going into the semifinals on the offensive side of the ball? I mean, the other guy who's, you know, he's probably, you know, one of our main staples too, Nick Allen, you know, mm-hmm. from our slot position. He runs a lot of jet sweeps and, you know, um, and then really it all starts up front. You know, we have a really good, really special group of offensive linemen. You know, they're led by Rudy King, um, you know, and then there's other two other seniors, Theron Blank and Alex Barney, and then a junior, Jacob Nash. You know, all those those guys are able to pick up different fronts and just the communication between them this year is, you know, something we've never seen before, you know, in my 10 years of being at Milford is, something special to watch and they just they've been working together they all pretty much started together last year except for we added Theron at center this year and I mean you can just it's a veteran group and you know they they know, always know how to handle everything that comes at them yeah, and I mean, just uh, the, just I was just looking at the stats again, and I had to laugh because I was looking at uh, how many points you guys have scored this season. Now, after putting up 62 on Bunker Hill, you guys are at 590 for the season, so you're averaging 59 points a game, which I mean is pretty pretty outrageous on it on its face. Um, I mean, j- just overall, uh, kind of the same question I asked you as far as uh, would you have ever expected to be undefeated and doing this well this long when you started eight man? Would you have ever expected to have an offense that was averaging 50? nine points a game you know absolutely not um you know we we knew we had some weapons and 
You know, we knew having Keegan Boyle come back out this year for his first time since his freshman season, you know, was going to add another dimension to our offense. And, um, you know, just so they have to, the defense has to try to, you know, determine what they want to try to take away. And, you know, we're able, luckily we've got good enough kids. We're able to find it. And we have kind of four guys that could score at any given time, um, you know, but those guys, they do a lot of work. They get, they get pulled out of the game pretty quick. And so, you know, they're not, they're not always the happiest about it, but, you know, they're, they've all stayed healthy and, you know, like on Saturday or they got to play just a little bit over a quarter and, you know, but, you know, they know what's best for the program and what's best for them. And, you know, we have a bigger goal than just to win the first round playoff game. Talking with Milford Cisna Park football coach Clint Schwartz. And yeah, we talk about the defense. I mean, we can talk about the offense all day, but you got to talk about the other side of the ball as well. Uh, uh, you guys have only allowed 212 points this season, uh, among the lowest marks in the eight man association. Uh, it's, uh, from a defensive perspective, what has been the key in your mind to to limiting opponents, uh, e- even though your offense obviously has made the need to, to limit them totally, not not totally necessary all the time, but just what has been the key to that? Um, you know, I think it starts up front with our defensive linemen. You know, we only play with a two-man front, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a lot different than than, than 11-man football. Sure. You know, and those two guys' job, you know, it's not so much to make plays, to make tackles. It's, you know, to kind of occupy linemen and, you know, that lets Penn Stoller at linebacker run free. You know, he's got 94 total or 94 or 97 total tackles on the year. Um, you know, and those those guys up front do a good job. And, you know, Alex Barney also plays linebacker. And then we play four defensive backs. And, you know, it's everybody doing their job and just lining up correctly and, you know, playing as fast as they can. You know, all gas, no brakes. That's, <laughs> you know, those guys have carried it over to the defensive side. And, you know, it's it's really fun. It's a really good time, you know, to, to be at Milford Cisna Park. Well, you guys have uh, Flanagan, Cornell, Woodland up next, a team that's new to the eight-man association, a uh, team we're, we're somewhat familiar with around here because they play a lot of Heart of Illinois Conference uh, opponents. Uh, what do you know about the Falcons here, and uh, how are you guys game planning for that matchup? Um, we actually we played them earlier this year, mm-hmm. um, you know, but they're going to do a lot of different things, and um, they have a really, really good running back. He's fa- he's really fast. He's one of those kids. He makes makes one guy miss, and he's off to the races. Um, they have another another big wide receiver and t- slash tight end, um, and then their defensive line is kind of their staple of their defense. And you know we we don't know exactly what they're going to come out and do defensively to try to slow us down. You know we know they're not going to do the same thing they did the first time. Um, you know so it's a little bit of a guessing game, and you know our kids are excited for it, excited for semifinals, and you know it's it's good to play another good good opponent. Yeah, it's uh, looking back at your schedule. Uh, yeah, folks, you remember I just said that Milford average is 59 points a game. They put up 78 when they played against Flanagan earlier this season. So uh, y- the outrageous numbers continue. But uh, to round this off, Clint, I've had uh, folks from uh, Judah Christian and Schlarman on here already this season, other eight-man uh, football uh, association members uh, just just, just kind of hype up the eight-man association for me a little bit because I mean it grew exponentially from year one to year two I wouldn't be surprised especially if uh, the district uh, format follows through if we see even more growth next year uh, how do you like the future of eight-man football in Illinois you know the future it's, it's, it's going to keep growing you know at, at some point you know people have to make a decision you know what's best for your kids you know for your own players you know Playing football is, you know, a very special thing, you know, and you're only really guaranteed four years of your life to be able to do that, mm-hmm. you know, and just to be able to, whether it's eight man, eleven man, just as long as kids get an opportunity, you know, that's what it's all about, you know. I said the winning, the winning was nice, but that wasn't the reason that, you know, we made the move over. It was so our kids could still wear our same school colors and, you know, still be with the guys that they played with for years, and 
Um, you know, there's more teams. I, I don't know exact names and I don't know exact numbers, but I know there are more schools coming next year. And, you know, for anybody, anybody that's ever said anything about, you know, eight man, maybe not being about not being football or anything like that. You know, those are all people that have not been to an eight man football mm, game. Sure. You know, our guys are just as, just as sore on a Saturday as, you know, other, everybody else that plays on Friday. And, um, you know, it, it is, it's more offensive. It's fun. It's, you know, up and down the field. It's a little bit of a track race and, you know, it's it's a really good thing, and it's been it's been I guess life changing or program changing. You know, for our communities. Milford Cisna Park football coach Clint Schwartz. Clint, thank you again for being part of our show, and good luck to you and the boys here this weekend. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Of course, yeah. It's uh, when you see numbers like that. I mean, seventy eight points. You're not getting that in a lot of eleven man games. So I mean, if you if you enjoy offense. Go out and see an eight-man football game because, I mean, not every team is going to be like Milford where you're putting up 59 points a game, but more often than not, it seems like uh, it's it's more of an offensive battle than a defensive one. And it's a interesting idea with the with the district or the district format coming into play. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, how, like you said, how that will affect uh, what what teams consider. I, I'm no travel is probably a, a big part of it, and and if they're going to have to be traveling all over to play anyways, and they might might decide to make the switch from from eleven to eight. So that'll be mm-hmm. cool to see see that grow here in, in the state of Illinois. Absolutely, absolutely. And I don't think it's going to be a contentious growth either. Uh, in talking with the IHSA officials about it, uh, they they they're open to partnering with the the eight man association. The IHSA has nothing to do with this uh, eight man uh, playoffs. Uh, didn't have anything to do with it last year either. But they still keep track of the eight man results on the IHSA website. Uh, and maybe they could partner together in the future. Perhaps the eight-man playoffs could be under the IHSA umbrella at some point. I mean, if there are enough teams that want to jump over from 11-man football to eight-man football, I'll bet the IHSA would be more than willing to kind of uh, accept that under its uh, current umbrella. Yeah, especially if it, if it gives teams a chance to be way more competitive than they mm-hmm. might be in the 11-man game. And I, I don't know, there's probably not a whole lot of research, but I, I wonder if maybe the, the eight-man game, the smaller field, the less players, if it might be slightly safer for, for yeah. the people that are worried about that sort of thing. I bet somebody has done a study on that. I would have to I would have to imagine. So you've probably done every type of study <laughs> uh, as it pertains to eight-man football. Yeah, but it's been a, it's been a great season of uh, Serve Pro prep football confidential uh we've really enjoyed bringing the product to you guys uh basketball show i'm not sure the exact sponsor yet i think we're gonna have the same sponsors we did yeah, last dick year van, dick van yeah. dyke uh, good folks over there okay we love prep basketball they're gonna sponsor it again we said december 2nd first date uh, first week of december is what it sounds like yeah yeah it looks like december 2nd is that first monday all and right. we should be back here so that's when you'll find us back so thank you all again for joining us and uh enjoy the rest of the football season yeah, that's going to do uh, the wrap for this Serve Pro of Champaign and Vermilion County High School Prep Football Confidential 2019 season. Thanks for everybody who came on with us. Thank you, Colin, for all your work. Thank you, Jim, for hosting. Thanks, Tamara, behind the scenes, always getting us set for the show right here on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign Urbana and Light Rock 97.5, WHMS Champaign Urbana. We've got the Coach Brad Underwood show next from Papa Dell's. Brian Barnhart ready to go down there. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks.